0: that is our God unshakable unchangeable unstoppable he's got plans for us thrill he's got plans for us plans for good not for evil to give us a future and a hope together 20 years ago Christ Church as a church family was launched and as Pastor Barry has spoken of it and you've noticed with these pictures here and banners outside, more will be going up in our parking lot, advertising this 20-year anniversary, and it began with a vision, just a small group of people, and God blessed that vision, and continues to bless that vision, and it's an amazing thing when you look back, which we will do via a video at the close of this sermon, And see how God has brought us, how he has led us, that unstoppable, unshakable God. And here we are this morning, taking a look at a young church in action. Via the Acts of the Apostles, we have put together as part of the program, on our way into that 20th anniversary... Looking at the original young church in action to be inspired by it, not just by looking back at what we've done, but looking back at those early chapters of church history and how spectacularly God multiplied the believers. And it really was a young church in action that was like a flaming torch of righteousness and goodness and love and mercy and grace that spread out very, very quickly. I mean, you heard in the text that by the time John and Peter had finished speaking in the temple just a couple of chapters after Pentecost, which is when we began this series in the Acts of the Apostles, the church had grown to 5,000 On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were converted. One sermon, one day, a church of 3,000 immediately gathered. Now certainly they, come the end of that celebration, scattered all over the known world at that point. At least those that could travel to Israel for Pentecost. So those that were left of the 3,000 had already become 5,000. And this is in a very short period of time. And it continued to grow. So that the leadership in Israel that was resisting the growth of the church virtually gave up on trying to stop it because it was as if the whole world had gone after them. And in four Centuries into the 300s, when Constantine was converted, the emperor of the Roman Empire. What was amazing was that the Christians and others began to call their dogs Nero and name their children after the leaders of the church. Spectacular transformation. Which continues all down through the years so that here we are still speaking about that amazing God. Let's talk to him just for a moment, shall we? Lord Jesus, please in your mercy take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire for yourself, for your truth, your gospel, your mission. Move us forward, Lord. We pray for your namesake and to the honor and glory of your presence and the kingdoms of men, that they might become your kingdom, that it might come, and your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Hear our prayer. We pray for your name's sake. Amen. Well, let me encourage you right now to look at page six in your service sheet, or find the Acts of the Apostles chapter four in your Bibles. Because that's where we are reading and something that I hope to address maybe more than adequately in this uh, morning hour. You know, there was a time when uh, one of our daughters, the youngest one, was in love with Harrison Ford. Namely, not really him, but Indiana Jones. And we were reading through the Acts of the Apostles and it was so exciting as we read through it together across some period of time. We started calling it Indiana Acts. It is that energizing. I want to encourage you, seriously, now listen to me speak on this, maybe the rest too. Go home and read straight through this week the Acts of the Apostles. Catch the energy. An Apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus as he was, getting converted. Brilliantly. Altogether, totally, turned around. And then what happened? He became a missionary. Going out through much of the Roman Empire. Preaching the gospel. Spread out through what is now Turkey. Into Greece. And he ends up, come the close of the Acts of the Apostles, in Rome. In chains but still evangelizing and speaking of the gospel the whole thing is so energizing and we're looking at it with the prayer and the anticipation that the early energy we had as a church that brought us to where we are today might be resuscitated I don't know if you sense with me a kind of complacency about where we are we turn up in church, we worship together, it's here for us, we've become very used to it, we're in our particular place, in our particular pew, on our particular time of service. Same would be true over in Wilson Hall. Our prayer, my prayer in earnest... Is that we might recapture the energy and vision to become that church in action, the young church in action. So follow along with me as we look at what happened here in chapter four. John and Peter in chapter three have pulled off a miracle man who sits at one of the gates in Jerusalem begging is healed. It gathers a crowd. And Peter and John are in the temple teaching. That's where it begins. Chapter 4, verse 1. But the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So now these men in their dress, with their authority, come and in effect break up a meeting, a gathering In one of the courtyards where Peter and John are teaching. They, the priests, etc., were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So it's what it moved from was the miracle of this man being healed to a ministry to those who'd gathered with John and Peter teaching, but Peter being the primary spokesman. So what do they do? They are so irritated, and you can see why. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So when you include the women and the children who were gathered in with that, it's so overwhelming. It's like you took one of these smaller boroughs around greater Pittsburgh and suddenly thousands of people in that smaller contained space. Jerusalem is not that big. Some of us have just been there. You get 5,000 people alive and alight, more than that really with the families, it's taking over. It's a a movement. And those who opposed the movement took on the leadership of the movement as they understood it. So they had them in prison. Look at verse 5. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. So were Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this, they asked. Well now, get the picture, they've been in prison overnight, that's a pretty humbling process, you've got time to sweat, think through, get anxious, somehow be humbled and belittled, to be in prison, no pleasant thing today, let alone then, held over for the night. And then they're brought in front of all the power elite with all their robes and garments. Very intimidating. Maybe that's the way it gets set up. Led in, asked questions, knowing that they were under the gun. But instead of in any sense trying to soften the audience of the leadership without any sense of apology, without any prevarication or trying to minimize what was really going on, to soften up the leadership so that they might, in fact, be dealt with more lightly. They are in the face of that leadership and speak out boldly with the courage of their conviction that what they were about was for real. Look with me at what they say. Verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed because believe it or not the courts asked the right question by what name why by what authority how did you do this so peter picking up on that says if that's the question we're being called to account for this day then know this verse 10 know this In our gospel reading, it begins with Jesus saying, Very, truly. The old translation, verily, verily. Truly, truly. Know this, hear this. It's a bold statement right into the face of those who thought they had them under trial. Know this you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He, speaking of Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected which has become the capstone, the chief cornerstone. That's a quote from Psalms 118. These men are quoting the scriptures to the leadership who thought they were the center of all authority. And then they go on to say this, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men By which we must be saved. Now you've got their conviction expressed. Which by the power of the Spirit. Stimulated their courage to boldly say it. That there is no other name. Under heaven. Given to men. Given amongst us ordinary human beings. No other name by which we must be saved now quickly you grasp that this wasn't politically correct they weren't into any kind of multicultural theology where all the gods have equal merit and value one name one person by whom we may be saved and they had that absolute conviction and though It was in their face, the face of the authorities whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. By the name of that Jesus, Messiah, this man was healed. He now stands amongst you healed. What a word to us today. Let me ask you, do you have that same conviction Have you come to the conclusion with the scriptures? Which are absolutely as clear as this statement here. That Jesus is the one savior of the world. There is no other name, no other person, no other salvation for us by which we can get from hell to heaven. To be forgiven our sins and arrive whole in glory. No other name. No other way. You know that Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Peter and John got it. The disciples got it. They weren't trying to soft pedal anything. They weren't trying to somehow ease their way around the difficult corners of the theology. They proclaimed it. Declared it. How about you? How about me? How about us? How about the church? May God grant to us to settle that issue. And unashamedly, whatever our careers, wherever we find ourselves... Whomever we may be called upon to confront have the courage of that conviction to tell the truth. I've picked up a phrase, you know we were in England, so good to be back here in the USA with you all, but we were in England where they talk about gentle evangelism. I've picked up that phrase from some of my Christian friends there, gentle evangelism. That means it's cautious. It means it's sophisticated. It means you don't lay it all out on the table. It means you just nibble away at the edges. I'm fed up with nibbling. I want to see the truth declared unashamedly by people like you and me. That's what I want to see. That's what the Bible calls for. And that's exactly what Peter delivered. Bless his heart. How can I say that? God bless him. He's blessed. He's in glory. We'll chat with him about it one day. May we have our stories to tell. Yesterday morning, there was a sold out deal at Orchard Hill Church, next exit up on 79 from us, of men, men only. Man Up Pittsburgh, a bold initiative by Pastor Ed Glover, along with other Christian leaders amongst men's ministries in this city. And I think you may have caught the billboards here and there. It was fun driving back into Pittsburgh and seeing that it was sold out on the billboards. And so it was. And many of our men were there, and it was great to see them. That's a phenomenal movement. It's in its third year. Last year, and I just got this this morning from uh, Nancy Kramer. While we were in the room sort of vesting, and she gets us wired so that the sound's right. And here's what she said. She'd been speaking with Vera Morelli. Nearly speaking in Italian. Vera Morelli, who runs a pro-life ministry called Tri-Life, T-R-Y, Life the other side of Pittsburgh one of the ministries that we advertise during our choose life month because it's part of our ministry through people of our church anyway last year last year Vera invited a young man who had become guardian or had been given parental leadership what's the word I'm looking for Yes, so that he had the child, not the mother. He himself had a drug problem. And Vera, who was involved in that family, invited him to go to Man Up, Pittsburgh just a year ago. He gave his life to Jesus. Went back, started a men's ministry leading a men's Bible study, and you start multiplying the impact of that, and you've got a sold-out men's ministry. One person at a time, you touch another life. You are unashamed. Here he was coming out of the drug scene, rounded up some of his druggy buddies, and started a ministry, and so you've got this exponential growth. We've never seen exponential growth here. We've seen steady growth. May God grant through our ministry here over these next years, the next 20 years to see exponential growth. That we're not just looking back at what God's done in the past but anticipating and giving ourselves with a passion to what he's going to do in the future. That's our dream and prayer as we exegete, speak to this energy in the young church well what's spectacular when you take a look at this is that the folks listening to them were absolutely astonished look at verse 13 when they saw the courage of peter wasn't just his content but his courage it speaks volumes rather than this gentle evangelism and I'm not talking about being belligerent or being crude or ill-mannered but I am speaking about being straightforward and honest about the truth that we believe may God bring us to that conviction and then the courage of our convictions because the very courage that was exhibited was impressive. They saw the courage of them and Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary people. They were astonished. We would say today, blown away. They took note that these men had been with Jesus well, we know and love Jesus. We speak with Jesus. We're with Jesus this morning. He's He is moving amongst us. We belong to him. His spirit indwells us. We are his. Do people run into us and they think, wow. Because these folks here with all their prestige education... We're talking to some ordinary people as this describes them. Uneducated. When I grew up in Oxford, I wasn't part of the university crowd. I was a country bumpkin, as they refer to them in England, on the edges of Oxford. And I used to talk like this, growing up in Oxford... I soon changed that when I got to London because they just laughed at me. Because I was talking like this. In fact, a few years ago I was with John and Susan Yates. Susan who was speaking at the uh, women's conference. We were young young couples back and I, I took them to England and we went to a bed and breakfast not far from where I lived. And the lady came to the door and she said, would you like to see the room? And I clicked in. I said, oh yes, my love, we'd love to come and see the room. And she said to me, are you making fun of me? I said, no, I grew up around here, I know how to talk like this. And it was, it was an hilarious moment, clearly I've never forgotten it. But she thought I was mocking her accent because it's country. That's the way the... They had a Galilean accent. It gave Peter away when he was chickening out in the courtyard earlier. What a transformation. Now he's in their face. Unintimidated. Unashamed. Don't you love the words of Paul speaking to the Romans? The center of the Roman Empire. I am unashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes Jew and Gentile may we having been with Jesus with him unashamedly be about that business it's Jesus who is the power It's not just that I want to wind you up, fire you out. But that as I speak with a, I trust the Spirit of God speaking through me just as we pray. God is speaking to you and you say, enough is enough. I will be unashamedly the Lord's man, the Lord's woman, I'm his. I tell you this, we will see the kind of growth the church had in those days. If we have that kind of spiritually inspired boldness. Bold initiatives. Individual initiatives. Group, corporate, church-wide initiatives. Bold and faithful and true to the message of which we have been convicted. There is no other name under heaven given amongst men and women whereby we must be saved. Let's pray. Following this prayer, we'll have the video that does look back to those early days. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Messiah, Savior, lover of our souls, thank you that we are with you. That we are on your side in your team. We belong to you. Thank you that you are not ashamed to be identified with us. That for the joy that was set before you, you gave yourself up on the cross. And we were that joy, the joy of your salvation at work in us. Grant to us, Lord, the joy of our salvation a positive exuberance born of a conviction stimulated by your very powerful presence in our lives that we may never, ever be ashamed but boldly proclaim the good news of your love and power and presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.